You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And today's episode is the rootness, tootness, and the wild, wild west as we review Toy Story 2. But first, Eddie, how are you and the family doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I was curious if you have ever... Given something to one of your children as like a special treat, special reward, and have it backfire on you quite epically. Um, All the time, but I'm so intrigued by what your version, what the latest version for you was. So Sunday, uh, I decided, okay, uh, I need to run to Walmart uh, I had a couple things to to pick up, a couple of things to do there. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll take Lewis with me. We'll kind of make it a, a special daddy outing. And while we're at Walmart, um, he had asked if he could have a special drink, like like Orange Fanta. He loves Orange Fanta. And don't one of the all. cool things that's, don't we all? A cool thing here and in a lot of Latin America is they will sell like little tiny bottles of of soda. And this is perfect if you're going to buy one for a toddler because they don't need that amount of orange Fanta. Nobody really does, but especially (laughs) uh, a, a toddler. And so I buy him this little bottle of um Uh, of orange Fanta, right? So we get in the car and I decide, I think he can do it. He's almost four. I unscrew it. I hand it to him. He's holding it with two hands. This is, this is going to go great. This, you know, he can do this. This, this isn't too bad. It's a little tiny bottle. So we pull out of the parking lot and we're driving and, and for starters, it's the beginning of the rainy season here. So it's like, torrential downpour like Ooh. rain you've never seen before in your life just pouring down rain we're driving down the street and i miss uh that there's a speed bump in the road and i hit a speed bump pretty at you know clicking pretty good and unbeknownst to me <laughs> poor lewis is in the back taking a drink at that exact moment oh, of no. his orange Fanta. Oh, no. And the orange Fanta goes up his nose and is pouring out his nose. And he's just crying and screaming because it's burning. Oh, my God. And I kind of like, I'm doing the whole, you know, looking back, driving, you know, trying to do two things at once, which is not a good idea. And I see it just pouring out. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, my... My my, he calls soda spicy drink, spicy, spicy drink because it it's bubbling. <laughs> it he's not wrong. So he's, he's like not wrong on that. My my spicy drink, my spicy drink. And I was like, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. Just swallow a couple times. You know, it'll it'll pass. It'll it'll kind of you know drain out or whatever. And he just and he he switches and he's only holding it with one hand. And he and I'm so focused on him. Then I miss another speed bump, hit it without, I mean, because they're high speed bumps. You've got to like crawl over them. And I miss it and it l- just launches the back of the car so much that it jerks the soda straight out of his hand. It falls and it's just like poosh, orange soda all over the back of our car and empties, you know, three-fourths of the of the orange Fanta all over the place. And he's just sitting there and he looks up at me and he's like, Daddy, my spicy drink's all over me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I yes. love it. I love I, love I hope you enjoyed this special treat because oh my uh, god, it's going to be a long time till Daddy does that one again. Yeah. How, how long did it take you to clean all that up? Um... It didn't. Well, but the here's the thing. By the time I gotten back, it was all soaked in. And I'm like, oh, what? No. 
there's nothing I can do. Like, it's just soaked in. Um, I mean, I, I guess I could have gone back out with like carpet cleaner or whatever, but it was pouring down rain and everything. And I was just like, whatever. It is what it is. Party fail. Why? We've got orange the, soaked. It's all, it's just all downhill. Every, everything here is, is happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that is what, uh, that was our, our latest adventure in outing. Spicy. Oh, the joys drink. of raising, raising toddlers. Spicy drink. I love, I love Never. when they figure like they, they have their own name for things. Yeah. And you don't really want them to ever lose that. No, you want them to you always. Know they will. It. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, have you seen dude? Perfect's latest, uh, stereotypes video? No. Okay. You need to sit down the two of you tonight and watch this. Cause it will make you feel so much better for all of your parenting. They do the stereotypes of young uh, parents with young kids. Oh, no. And it is. Us? It's hilarious. It's this podcast. They do. It is. Yes, very much so. No, they, they, then they do toddlers and everything like that. And there's just this great scene where the dad is at like a fast food drive in and he's ordering everything, but in toddler lingo. And then he has to like translate. No, oh, no, that's a, can I have a, you know. Wadiger. That's, that's what my daughter says. My yeah. daughter says Wadiger all the time, even though she can say water, but she says Wadiger. And we, and people are like, what are you talking about? Like it's, it's water. It's like, how do you know what she's saying? After a while, you just figure it out. Lewis is, is Nagabada. Nagabada. That is granola bar. He will ask for granola bar, but it's Nagabada. Can Naga. I have a Nagabada? I love that. And it's, and just the way he says it, it's, it's quite cute. And it's like, nobody, you mean a granola bar? And he'll go, yeah, a naga butter. Sounds like he's <laughs> saying nutter butter. My daughter's other, yes, good, my, yes. my, my, my daughter's other good one that makes no sense whatsoever is Hia. Hia is Cinderella. I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know how it got to that. No idea, but it's Cinderella. Hia? Hia. Nope. There no, no idea where, she, where go. she got that. Yeah. Oh my God. Who knows where they come up with a- any of these things. But and speaking of who knows where things came from and where they came up from, we had another big trailer drop recently or the last, last week or so. Uh, Avatar The Way of Water dropped 13 years after the original movie came out. We are now finally going to be getting Avatar. Eddie, what did you think of the trailer? Um, so it's interesting. Let me, let me just give you my avatar history. This is really while, what I wanted. To while know. I you, you, you knew, me. you knew this is what I wanted. Biography. <laughs> um, so when the, I, I, funny enough, when the first movie came out was when I was living here in Costa Rica the first time, the first time. And I remember this is the sequel. I remember right for the first avatar, just avatar. Well, no, this is, no, this is no, the no, sequel something. and your sequel. This is true. Whoa, meta. Wow. Okay. Um, This is wow, mom. (laughs) This is 2009, 2010, right? When that came out. Mm -hmm. And I was truly blown away. Like I I remember probably went and saw it two, three times in theaters just because of how amazing it was um, and was blown away. And, but at the same time, it was like, yeah, okay, I, I hear everybody's critiques on the story. You know, it's not a groundbreaking story. It's Pocahontas, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then after it was out of theaters, I don't think I ever saw it again. Like, I never saw it on yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, or anything like that. Then uh, 2017, Pandora, the world of Avatar, opened at Animal Kingdom in Disney World. Animal Kingdom is my favorite Disney park and was a little skeptical of this coming into that park. Wasn't sure I was going to fit. And the first time I went into that land was just blown away, amazed. Like one of the greatest things Disney Imagineering has ever done. Like it's really quite spectacular and photos and, and videos just don't do it quite justice. And the ride, in, the rides in it are are awesome. Um, yeah, I've just totally blown away by it. And so I came back home and was like, "Wow, I really want to see the movie again." 
because uh, I wasn't expecting that to be that amazing and sat down and watched the movie again with Sarah. And I think this was Sarah's first time. And I really liked the movie a second mm. time around. I was like, yeah. wow, this actually holds up outside of theaters. And so I got like really excited. And I think I've watched it one more time since then. Cause I'm like, actually, I really, really like this. Um, and so I was quite eager and excited for to see what this new, you know, one was going to be because he's taken 10 years to make it because they 13. didn't have the technology 13 to do motion capture underwater. So again, he delayed making it the, the, the first movie so that motion capture and everything could catch up the technology catch up. He did the same thing here with the sequel. And now they are set to have like, three or four sequels every other year uh, for the next several years. And I apparently was not alone in wanting to see the first glimpse of this trailer because the trailer has now, it's like one of the highest viewed trailer releases. Like it's gone past any of the star Wars sequels that have been released in its view in its viewership or views. That it has racked up on the internet. Oh, um, it's because I'm not on the official one. That's why I'm. I'm like, uh, it had six million. That's not like crazy. Uh, yeah, I'll have to find the article. But yeah, I read a whole article on. Or maybe it's like if you take all of the different places where the clip is out, or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, no, I was reading an article how how the trailer has surpassed. Uh, any of the individual Star Wars sequels, which kind of gives you a glimpse of like, oh, wow. Okay. And and we'll see when it comes out, if it's released. Uh, when I think of Avatar, I actually think now of a different uh, story of it. And it's not, it has nothing to do with the movie itself or directly. So in 2014, SNL? When, no, no. It's uh, Although that's, that's a whole okay. nother, oh my, just real quick. If you haven't, if you're sitting there and you haven't watched the SNL sketch, uh, with Ryan Gosling about uh, the about fonts, yes. you need to go watch it, especially if you are into design and art. Like it's so good. Because um, what's the font? It's so random. What's well? What's the uh, what's the font name? Pa- Papyrus. Papyrus. You need to go look it up. Papyrus. Ryan Gosling. SNL. It's amazing. But anyways, so uh, in 2014, my wife and I were were just dating at the time and I, m- I met some of her family and one of her cousins brought over a friend and, and her now husband and so the friend and husband and we were just talking with them and stuff like that started talking about what he does and like oh yeah he works in the industry it's like oh what do you do he's like i specialize in 3d film capture and he's like oh cool like what like and he was like, well, I'm going to be on the next Avatar film. Like he said that very clearly, this is what I was going to do with my life. And at the time, 2014, I thought to myself, man, he's been waiting a long time for James Cameron to get the next one ready. <laughs> and now it's been almost seven years since that time. Seven years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, around seven years since. <laughs> no, eight years. It's been eight years since that time since he said that and so when it came up i was like oh we finally have a trailer dropped i'm like i wonder if that guy ever got on this film <laughs> i've just been wondering it ever since but yeah i i really liked it i loved it it is funny thinking about at the time 2009 it was really what brought 3d back into the uh social conscious into what we were talking about at the time and lots more movies were trying to get into 3d versions of their films and stuff like that and I remember there's only a couple of movies worth seeing in 3D. And this was definitely one of them that you had to at least go once, even if you the first time you saw it was in 2D, needing to see it in 3D. Uh, and it's funny now that this is happening right as we're at the VR revolution of things kind of growing and building up steam AR VR, if they're going to kind of embrace any of that stuff. But frankly, I didn't know. I'm glad you I had heard that there was a bunch of technological things that changed um, that they were doing with this film and the underwater stuff that's I need to go back and rewatch the trailer now and, and relook at it. But I didn't leave the trailer thinking anything crazy different they were doing like from the were, original. Yeah, or original or even just what I'm used to seeing. I didn't see anything no, that no. like 
destroyed, like was crazy beyond my expectations or anything like that. And maybe, maybe watching it will, or, or more trailers will come out that they'll kind of show that. But I didn't, I was like, cool. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm game for more James Cameron and more Avatar world. Let me get, let me have some more of that. I've, I don't remember the last time I actually sat down and watched the entire movie. So, but that's something we got, I got to do before this next one comes out. But overall, I was like, ooh, cool. But it wasn't anything more than if another Marvel trailer came out and stuff like that. Yeah, I, um, I'm excited for a big movie going experience. Just like show me why I want to see this on the big yep. screen. Eddie, this is gonna. I'm just. And there, this is gonna be a hot take. It's gonna save theaters. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna save theaters for us, Eddie. Just kidding. It probably won't, but no, it, might, it, might, like, it might bring people back for that resurgence. It, uh, in in a different way, it's like anytime Tom Cruise is coming out with another movie or producing mm-hmm. it, I'm I'm not like oh my goodness, this is going to be the greatest movie ever, Or nor am I like super excited for story or anything like that. I'm just really excited for a big screen spectacle. Spectacle, yep. Like you, uh, I mean, we'll go back to last week. There is an element with um, like Doctor Strange where it didn't even hit that for me. It didn't feel mm. like I needed. And so much of that is because you're capturing things all on blue screens. You're capturing yeah. everything on, on blue screens. And there's just a difference to that. And I know this is all CGI, but they're using the motion capture in unique ways to be able to capture all of those things. And it's it's just a very different level um, that, I don't know, it just translates differently. No, I get it. Because the last Mission Impossible movie that came out, the one, the one that came <sighs> out in 2018... When, when after I'm moving here to Tennessee, it had a completely different feel because he did all of those helicopter stunts himself. This, it was in the skydive, everything. And we went, and I even remember going, we need to go see this on the big IMAX screen, downtown Indy. And that was one of the last dates we went on before, our, before Lewis was born. Um, yeah. And it was, it was amazing. Like you're just, your jaw is to the ground the camera. whole time yep. because the the way yeah there's cameras everything it just makes you feel like you're a part of that and you're doing that and i think that's maybe that's part of the reason why i'm excited for this new avatar movie the ride at the the pandora land does that so you know soren in california this yeah. is kind of like soren on steroids mm. and it they they jokingly call it like soren through pandora um, but it is, you feel it, you feel like you're in on that and they make it the ride vehicle you're, you're on top of, like, it's like a motorcycle, but it breathes. Like you feel oh. the Banshee breathing underneath that's you. Crazy. And like, that's, that's the whole premise is that you're flying a Banshee all through Pandora and you, yeah, you actually feel it breathing between your legs. So it, it you Yeah, I felt so immersed in that. And so you just kind of like, man, if they did that with that, like, I wonder what this one's going to be like. Like, I just Mm. I just want a a movie to to sweep me up. That's so crazy. Yeah. So there you go. We also just today, I happened to be on Twitter, like within minutes of it dropping. Literally minutes. Google didn't even have this information. Eddie alone told me this information before Google could. This is why I love Twitter. This is why I love Twitter. Uh, no, Pixar announced its new movie called Elemental. Um, did you pull up a, a little description of it? Yes, I did. Since I do a lot of our descriptions on here. Oh, I had it and then <laughs> lost it. Here we go. Okay. So, oh, I did have it. It was on the wrong window. In a city. W- okay. So this is Pixar. Pixar's Elemental. Not even IMDb. This is from the horse's mouth right here. In a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together, doing hand motions here, living together, a fiery young woman and a go-with-the-flow guy will discover something elemental. 
How Much They Have in Common. Directed by Peter Sohn. I don't know what else he's done. And produced by Denise Reem. Disney and Pixar's Elemental releases June 16th, 2023 in exactly 13 months. So, Because we are one month from Lightyear. One month from Lightyear. 13 months from Elemental. So here's the big thing I had to take away. Like my initial reaction was, yay, they're continuing to try original stories. Yep. Right? Pixar's one of the few out there, the big ones, that are just going head first into original stories. Now, I'm not liking all of them, but at least we're not getting... Sequel after sequel, yep. uh, which is ironic, seeing that we're reviewing one of their sequels today. <laughs> one of their but, sequels. Um, yeah. One of their sequels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is that director's directorial debut. Interesting. I'm assuming they've mm-hmm. done other things at Pixar before or been a part of it yes, to some degree, maybe even done some shorts feature. or something like that. The, yeah, I'm. Oh, no, I take that back. He was the one who directed The Good Dinosaur. That makes me nervous now. I did not like The Good Dinosaur. We might have to take back everything we've said up until this point. Uh, This is an an interesting. There's a part of me that feels like they're, they're trying to create the magic of like inside out by doing other than like animals or dolls or like physical things like they went inside your head soul inside your body uh this feels like an like another like like trying to animate fire water land and air and at the same time people as people but at the same time i'm in i don't i'm not like brought completely to life with this whole thing like i'm not like oh my goodness i cannot i get partially because we have nothing but typography to go off of and the description. <laughs> there is no character. There's it's it's just typography. There is one there's one drawing. I don't know if you've seen it. The Hollywood Reporter has it. Ooh. And it is literally a like a watercolor sketch drawing. I can okay, I'm seeing of, that of, now. Of the actually, two characters. It's actually but... they replied to their own thread. Pixar replied to themselves. Um Yo, okay, so that's that's interesting. Looking at this, we got a, we got a, a couple people. Looks like they're in a mall. They're in a, wor- a whole world. Okay, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm intrigued. We'll see. Kind of see how it goes. Uh, I love anything that we can look forward to with Pixar because uh, they always have very unique stores. That I'm I'm just saying. That's why I've got. I've, I've, that's why I have the Luxo's uh, Pixar ball on my Pixar on my, ball. on my arm because of this because of this very thing. I do wonder if this is kind of the first sign of COVID slowdown because we won't have it until next summer. And if I believe, uh, I believe we have Lightyear and then we have to wait a whole year until we get another Pixar film. Elemental. Um, Elemental, right? Yeah. So they were at a pace where we were up to getting two Pixar films a year. I wonder if this is just kind of COVID slowing things down and pushing it out because you think we got uh soul luca uh turning red like all within onward 18 months onward yes onward that was, Can't a lot. About onward. That was a lot you know that's four in a two-year period so i think this is we're seeing the effects of uh of covid uh catching up to the studio well you know what we just didn't have enough effects from covid so we just needed more more things to to counteract to because I mean if inflation and <laughs> all the other things weren't an, and shutdowns weren't enough we definitely needed uh, a delay in our Pixar joy but yes but yes you, but you know what we're not going to have to let our listeners be held from their joy of listening to us break down the next film in our series here uh, today we are going to be talking uh, about our last film in 1999 well kinda kinda. We're going to be finishing up the Disney decade here today, and we want to give you a little sneak peek that next week we're going to have a full episode just dedicated to the Disney decade. We're going to both Eddie and I are both going to do our Mount Rushmore's two mountains each 
Might be a little overkill. So four, four mountains. Four mountains, four mountains. in total. If you're, if you're doing math at home, uh, one, each of us get to do a Mount Rushmore of our favorite animated films and our favorite live action films. And then we get to debate it for the entire episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Uh, and then the following week is when we will start doing uh, uh, our final. It's kind of a it's a it's a it's it's a a welcoming ushering us in. Even though it came out in 1999, it made it appropriate to jump into 2000 with Fantasia 2000. So, um, but that's the next couple episodes are happening. But today's episode, we are going to be finishing off this decade with Toy Story 2. Cue the Disney sound effect. Here we go. IMDb for Toy Story 2 is thus. When Woody is stolen by a toy collector, Buzz and his friends set out on a rescue mission to save Woody before he becomes a museum toy property with his roundup gang, Jesse, Prospector, and Bullseye. That's good. I was feeling it. I was feeling like like that like, like, is like it, one of the best. That is one of the best. That might be. We're not going to do a Mount Rushmore of IMDb because that would be a waste of time. <laughs> but that was like I was getting into it, reading it. Like I felt like this was a like a pre like when you're going to tune in next week when Woody is still in bed and like it felt like just like that show he was on in in the show where um in the movie Woody's Roundup. Woody's Roundup. It totally makes sense. It feels just like it. Uh, so Eddie, where would you like to begin with this wonderful, wonderful piece of art that we, we just watched separately? I have, (laughs) I have so many thoughts and just kind of like notes and things. Uh, I went back and watched parts of, uh, a Pixar story, the, um, the documentary about the founding and starting of Pixar uh, and even uh, brushed up on a few things from Creativity Incorporated. Oh yeah, because this movie, this movie is centered <laughs> so much. Um, and I think it is. Yeah, it's Ed Catmult. He says it in the book, and he says it in the documentary. He says Toy Story Two is when Pixar became Pixar. Yeah. That this was the defining movie, the defining film for them as a studio um, that I think not only established them as one of the greatest animation studios of all time, but then also their corporate culture, what they were going to be focused in on. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just a third hit in the in a row that you realize Oh, they didn't just capture lightning in a bottle. Like they, they know what they're doing here. They're, they're yep. amazing. So the, the, the story behind all of that is quite interesting. And maybe that's where we jump in is, yep. um, so Disney had an, a, a picture by picture deal with Pixar and they, uh, pretty much took Pixar, uh, took Pixar's lunch money with the initial deal for Toy Story 1 and had all of the merchandising royalties and a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, they were just robbing them blind. And they also, within that, had the right to produce a direct-to-DVD sequel if they wanted to. That that was in the contract that they had with Pixar. And... Of course, Toy Story 1 was incredibly successful, and this was the beginning of the era of direct-to-DVD everything, yep. right? Do you remember the late 90s? Like, oh, yeah. And you see them all on. Interesting side note, do you know who was the executive over that department of Disney at that time? No. Bob Chapek, the current CEO that everybody Over direct-to-DVD? He was the one who pushed, I, I can't remember the department name, but it's the direct-to-DVD fell under his department. They pushed to do he was Toy Story 2 as a direct-to-DVD thing? Well, they were they were pushing everything. You know, like there's four Aladdins, there's known. five this Cinderella's. There's yeah. so, so many of them. 
So that's just an interesting little side note. But so they exercise the right. They're going to make a direct-to-DVD sequel. Pixar says, no, 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 no. We'll do it for you. Like, there's no way we can let somebody else handle our beloved, you know, first children. And so they begin the process. And so Disney says, okay, well, if you're going to do it, then we, we will give it a theatrical release. Whoa. Okay. So this steps up. John Lasseter is worn out from a bug's life. He's not on the project, but 11 months, I think it was a year before it's supposed to come out. He reviews it and they realize that it's going to be an awful movie. It was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Nine months before release, they decide to throw out like three fourths of the movie and just start over and go from there. And they said that the computers at Pixar worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. rendering and getting everything done and nothing could stop. There was no way it was a moving train and they were laying tracks right in front of it. And they barely got this movie out just in time. And in the midst of it, do you remember this story from the book? Yes. Can I, can I tell tell this part? Yes, you do it. You do it. You do it. Cause it's one of my favorites and it's my horror come to life. Every time I have to deal with technology and it reminds me of all the times of my dad coming in and going, uh, did you save yet? Did you shave recently? Did you click save? Did you click save? Because he knew. Because anytime it? you forgot to, it would crash on you. Now there's this thing called autosave, which is a miracle. Uh, so what happened is they uh, basically, they deleted the film. They deleted everything. Something happened. And hadn't backed it up. Hadn't backed it up in recently. And they were just, just going to be completely out of the new version of the film. And they were all distraught, going to like, I don't know what they were going to do. And then one of the executives had taken a complete copy. I don't even know how she did this. A complete copy of the film home with her to work on. And she was on maternity leave. Maternity. Yep. Maternity leave. She'd taken it home for that. Yeah. And, And they were able to then very carefully bring it back to the office, re-bring it back online with everything and and bring it back to life, bare like barely being able to make it work. Like I'm it's in insane. I don't even know. I'm just so inc- I don't know what kind of hard drive they put that whole entire movie on for her to have. And maybe it wasn't the entire thing, but it it was enough to be like, yeah, they were going to be completely out of luck. Uh they having done, done what they did the other the other random story that reminds me of with this film is the one about the guy coming into work he just drove into work he was so worn out and burnt out that he just went into work and started working and then his wife called him in the middle of the day saying hey the daycare called and they said little johnny didn't get dropped off yet and he's like what are you talking about i did drop him off he realized he never took him in he just went straight into work johnny was in the car seat still in 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 the in the car and they went and got him and he was he was okay like nothing horrible happened but it was just like like that's when i think ed catmull said we have to completely change how we're making films because we are we are running our people completely ragged and that's just a few of the stories that led up to this thing actually going into theaters crazy and what's crazy is it's a really good movie it's an amazing movie. I would, I, it makes me struggle to say this because they're all four films are fantastic in the Toy Story franchise. But I've got to say, this is my favorite of the four. Okay. And I, and I would argue to say that it is the best of the four. Give us your treatment I, I study. Struggle give to give say us that, your thesis on this. Where, what, 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 what is, what is drawn that for you? Not for me, but for our viewers. I Yes. So, I mean, and th- I struggle to say that because, uh, yes, all four are amazing, right? The first one is groundbreaking uh, to the fullest extent of the meaning of that word. The third movie is just uh, makes you feel for the toys in a way that you've never, you feel everything in that movie. And then the fourth movie is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is just some of the best animation you're ever going to see. And in many ways is a story that mirrors this one, right? 
except for Woody makes the opposite decision at the end yeah. of that movie. Um, for me, I I love the character arcs that happen in this movie more than any of the others, and particularly uh, with Woody's character. Right, he has the opportunity for for self glory, for self preservation, to go to a museum to be honored, quote unquote. You know, all of these things that would be you know fun or whatever. But he chooses to go and serve his child, right? To go back and be that that plaything, and and then he's got that sign at the very. The, oh, I should have written down the quote, but it's just very much of like you know he's the day will come where he rejects you, right? Uh, you know, eventually Andy will go off to college, and he's like, yes, but the years that we have leaving up to then will will make it all worth it. I, I, something along those lines that is just such a, a powerful moment. But even within that, I love um, the characters in this. I love the story. I think this is probably one of the strongest of the stories, just because you've got such a uh, an interesting uh, series of of cinematic tropes that happen and connecting in unique and creative ways that are just uh, hysterical. Um, yeah, I th- that's just a, just the the beginning reasons of going. I, I, I get lost in this movie every time I watch it. It's just like boom, I'm swept away in it uh, once again. And I don't know if I can say that about the. L- about three and four. Three and four are great, but I, I don't get swept up in them like I do with two and one. You didn't even mention the one song in this film. Well, because when somebody, it's, when somebody it's got its them. own it's got its own separate sticky note right here. Um, <laughs> this is the only Toy Story movie. No, I cried at, a little bit at three, but I don't cry at three anymore. I cry at two every time that that moment comes. Well, it's and even like, as we watch because it's, it's Sarah Bareilles, right? Is that who it is? Who wrote that song? Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Is this? Did she also write the? She's other, the one. You know, she's the one that does the the, the humane, society. humane society. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she's she's got that touch of magic. Why, where why you should like, adopt a dog? She plays that chord, and then you're crying immediately. It's that you don't even know why you're crying. You're just like. Well, and her voice has this beautiful, like, quiver in it mm-hmm. that just, like, <gasps> I can't, oh, tugs at my heartstring. But I even remember, well, when we watched it this time, Lewis looks up at me and he goes, oh, daddy, this is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy, it is. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, I was watching the Pixar story and there's this moment with, uh Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. And they're like, we watched this for the first time together. And here we were two grown men in our forties. We bawled our eyes out the first time we saw that sequence. And we knew the whole story. We knew it all. But when we saw it all put together, we just bawled our eyes out. We were two grown men just crying on each other. No, that is, Um, is by, is one of the most emotional moments that Pixar has ever created. I will, I will hundred percent, hundred percent back that. And I wonder so there's this joke going around the internet, right? Of like, well, all Pixar movies are if toys had emotion, if monsters had emotion, if fish had emotion, if emotions had emotions. Have you seen this? Yeah. I and there there's some truth to that, right? There, there that's not totally. Uh, why else do off we go base. to movies? That's why we go to movies, right? I feel like that started. I feel like that started here with Toy Story 2. I mean, Toy Story um, 1 had it though, too. Uh, it does, but not to this degree. Like, not to the Pixar level of now, every time you watch a Pixar movie, you know you're going to have an emotional tug at your heart. I don't know. The, like, the first. Bu- they're coming for me. Seeing Buzz Lightyear like jump off and he then realizes he cannot fly and he's landed at the bottom and his arm is on to the side, like completely dismembered from him. And you just see like, he is completely like he, all of the rose colored glasses are gone. His, his world is gone. Like I felt, and I still feel that every time I see him laying there on the ground. But did you cry at that? 
I don't know. I, I didn't cry until, well, I mean, everybody cries at when somebody loves me. Everybody cries at that. I, but I, I still felt a very strong I rest like, my case. sadness. I rest my case. It. I, I cried more at, and I, I cried more at Toy Story 3. Whoa. Okay. So Toy Story 3 was the one where I was literally, and I, I saw all of my family on a vacation and I would, and we were all crying at the ending. <laughs> the ex- it felt like that ending went on and on and on as he picks up each of the toys and pulls them all out and dusts them off. And like all of that whole sequence took, and it still is a really long sequence. And then he's like playing for that last time. Like, and that was supposed to be, and not that I don't like Toy Story 4, but we kind of ended it as like, we are now done with Woody's story here in, in three. And then they're like, oh, we can still make some money. So we're going to make four, but you're just still going to enjoy it. And you're like, dang it, Pixar. You're right. I did enjoy that. I did. I did, I did enjoy, enjoy it. <laughs> right now with, if you had asked me, if we had done reviewed this thing back in uh, like, let's say end of 2021. I think I would have had a different perspective because of the fact my daughter has ran these movies into the ground <laughs> over the past couple of months where watching them nonstop, she's kind of tailed off of late. Like I can't remember the last time Toy Story 2 specifically was on the TV, but they have, they've just been on our house going so often it's to the point where I don't have as strong of like when I say pulling Mm -hmm. on emotions, I'm pulling from previous, not from present because they've been on repeat. So, so very often for me of late that uh, I don't have like, I've got it all completely memorized now and it's not as tear jerking and heart and like heartstrings. Like that's why I say the the song for sure does because it's, wizardry what she did with that um so pulling from it i i don't know that there's any specific story part of it that like really takes it to that other extra level more watching this as i watched this again and kind of went through it was just kind of the the simple mastery of story structure that they did in this film of set up some payoffs that were almost all of them very consequential almost every little thing plays itself off later on where there is no giant like wait we've never seen this person do this like randomly they're suddenly able to fly whatever it's like we set that up at the very beginning or in a previous film that was another thing in this this movie actually had ripple effects to other films in here uh so like um we're not when he says we're not preschool toys slinky we can read as a precursor to the next film uh, the whole thing with Bo Peep, where she's kind of like gone in three, but then she pops back up in four. Um, she's still a part of this. Uh, when when he says, look, Barbie, a big, ugly man doll. And she says, you'll love Jamie. She's an artist. Kind of pointing to what's going to happen in three, where they all get written on. Um, and then even just you said it. You know, someday he'll reject you, right? Like setting up the third film. But even just inside the film, there's so many things that that pay off. Even just like playing the video games at the front. He's wanting the 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 cheat codes to do it in the middle, and then he gets to pay it off in the end. And that's just a side character. Gets a whole story right. arc with Rex. Um, I, I the more I just watch this, like all the little details are very necessary and very purposeful um, for the for their intended ending. And I, I that was the thing that kind of jumped off jumped off the screen while watching this, just like all the little nuances of very specific choices that they made and not just throwing random things in there to throw it in there, but um, everything had intention behind it. Uh, Like he says in here, you can't rush art. That's how I felt watching this. And so I appreciate, I, I had a stronger appreciation than emotional connection in, in just like rewatching it right now for me. I think some of that is due sure. to being fried from watching it so, so much recently. But I, I also feel like you can feel the creators just having fun. Like oh, yeah. if we're going to do this, if we're in the midst of, of this craziness, we're going to have fun with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and a part of that is you see so many fun movie references all throughout of it. My favorite is Rex 
chasing after Barbie's car and you see him and, you know, images may appear further away shot for shot from Jurassic Park. Right. Yep. Um, and they, they, you know, of course there's the classic star Wars between Zerg and Buzz Lightyear. I am your father. I have a lot of catching piece. up to do with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, yeah, like nuggets like that, like little things that you are, you know, they're having fun and they also know the audience is going to enjoy this. The audience is going to have fun oh, with this. One of my favorites that I were rewatching that I hadn't caught in a long time was hi, here's the, we're in the Buzz Lightyear aisle. Back in 1985, short-sighted retailers did not make enough toys to meet demand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that came directly from their own experience of the first film, but. Yes, yes, I would imagine, I would imagine so. Yeah, so uh, there's so many uh, pieces that come together and just, for me, cohesively work together I love the adventure that the uh, the characters go on to go rescue, to rescue. Woody. Mm-hmm. That's its own little narrative the, in of itself. That whole uh, yeah, there. I mean, there's there's parallel plots the whole way throughout, and their adventure and the escapades that they go through are just are just fantastic. Even the scene where they're trying to cross the road in the cones. The suspense and the way that they build that up is so brilliant. That makes me nervous every single time. And I know what happens every single time. And, and I think the, 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 oh man, just the genius in it is when the moment Mr. Potato heads, uh, foot gets stuck in the gum and that, that concrete, uh, uh, pipe thing is, 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 is coming. You're like, there's no way he's going to, he's going to make it. And the moment where I just see their genius is, of course, Mr. Potato Head makes it the the pipe, the culver rolls over and it sucks up the gum and you see the gum roll over it. I'm like, what a, a minuscule detail. But to put that in there just like encapsulates that whole sequence and is so I don't know, there's just something about it that's so satisfying. Another satisfying scene from this is, and I find myself watching these videos on YouTube, is when the the guy comes in and cleans up Woody. Yes. It's so therapeutic watching him go through all of his tasks. And even when he's like perfectly painting his foot again and covering it, if you've seen any of those videos yes. of like people doing their jobs extremely well, this is that, this is a part of that video. It's it, well. There's it's that, so mo- that that moment in that sequence where he takes the Q-tip to his eyeball, yep. and just goes around it, like. and the eyeball is is shinier mm-hmm. on the other side of it, you know. And you're like, the detail in that animation is just breathtaking, especially for the time. That's crazy what they were doing at that time. You think this is only the third computer animated film? Did anybody else do one? Ants. Uh, no, you had ants. So this is the fourth ever. It's yeah. the third Pixar film. Still crazy. Crazy the leap that they took it, from absolutely. the first one to the second one. And the guy in that scene is from the 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 short that led up to the first Toy Story movie. The chess game. Yeah, of chess. the the chess player. The chess player. Yeah, and then the the story with Woody and Jesse and uh, Bullseye and Pete, Stinky Pete, the prospector. Uh, I just I love seeing that backstory to Woody and knowing that that is where he where he came from, and that whole pull of Woody's character, uh, whether to go be in the museum or to stay with Andy, and. and and face an inevitable rejection, right? Um, like that's such a an interesting and powerful story, a character development for a kids movie. Like before that, I'm, I, you know, there's very few that that go to that uh, emotional or even psychological depth. Yes, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, this is definitely a. It's funny how a movie that we've progressed so far 
in so many technological and the way we build films and the access we have and the, and the research and all that kind of stuff. And yet when you watch a film from 1999 to hold up this well, this much later, it's, it is pretty remarkable. It is super remarkable. Um, 23 years later, is that, is that, is that where we're at now? 23, yeah. 23 years later. Um, yeah. it's, it's even crazy looking at all the like same kind of time frame, like Lord of the Rings, all of those films still holding up today and it's because of the power of just like telling a great story has almost nothing to do with the technical stuff and it's with the structure and the way you and the way you connect with people and the way that you and we talked a little bit about details and that those are a part of it but it's like with what you have taking care of the details yeah there's no replacement for good character and good stories uh, if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what uh, what mechanism you are using to tell your story. You use the Lord of the Rings example. I mean, the great opposite of that is The Hobbit. Like you Literally, did all of these yeah. amazing technological things and everything. But at the end of the day, like you butchered the story and you just didn't get the essence of the characters right. So... Everybody has this weird taste in their mouth because of it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's an example of that within the Pixar universe. Of, I mean, we referenced the Good Dinosaur earlier. Like, I walked away from the Good Dinosaur just like incredible, befuddled. I was like, "What am I watching?" Like the whole scene where they get high off of the the berries. You know, you're like, "What? What am I watching?" You know, and and you you see the you see the 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 little details stand out a lot more during that. Got to give a shout out to uh, Newman or AKA Wayne Knight, who's his real name. Uh, he his voice is just so the, so iconic. The nineties, the nineties were good to him. Mm-hmm. Iconic, iconic voice was actor in, and actor in real life too. Seinfeld. He was in Jurassic the biggest Park. TV show of the 90s. I would say Jurassic Park is the at least in the top three best movies of the 90s or I don't know, uh, top five. Uh, and then here, one of the best, you know, sequels, best movie uh, animated. Yeah, he yeah, plays a good he, he plays, a, a, good, good he plays a good villain in this. I don't know that he was otherworldly villain, but like, yeah, solid. Like, and I think that's where as I'm looking at ranking the Toy Story movies, it's hard to beat Sid. Sid was so good. I think Luxo is right up there. But like, if I'm looking at just the villains of the four movies, like Sid is still one of the best and has one of the biggest gotta, comeuppance. I, like, I got to agree with you on that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because Lutzo, he's a pretty... And then you've got Gabby Gabby. I mean, she's just creepy with the ventriloquist dolls. But then she becomes... Then you feel for this her. This is true. So she doesn't... She kind of leaves true. being sinister. And now you've kind of like more felt for her. And you can see why yeah. she... Wa- and then you're like, oh, she's just doing a really bad job of trying to get what she was designed to do. But... Um, Al is just greedy. Yeah, like he's just, he he's just a greedy. Is... I do love his. I have to go on a Saturday all the way to work and then drives from uh-huh. one building just directly across the street. But yeah, I, and so that's where um, I go. I don't, I actually, I think this might have weirdly the worst villain of the four. If you had to, if you had to rank all the villains of the Toy Story movies, I mean, it's hard because they're all good, but like, I don't know. And so I think that that drops me down just a little bit for this is like the villain because the prospector, he doesn't reveal himself till kind of near the end. And that's true. I mean, is Al the villain or is the prospector the villain? Because he's got some crazy moments. Yeah. So when he pops out of that box and screws that that vent down tight. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. It's big. It's epic. And then when he goes and he tears uh, 
Woody's arm again. You know, there's something so sinister about that. And you're talking about payoffs. That was a really big payoff that you see when Andy comes back and um, sews him up and all of that. There's just a great payoff with that. Yes, uh, I, you know, I don't know if I would say he's the worst. I would definitely say he's not the strongest. I would, I would, I would, I would agree. I, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying we had some really good villains in the Toy Story universe, just the, specifically the Toy Story universe, not Pixar universe, just Toy Story universe. And I don't think that his is the strongest. And even the combination of him and Prospector together, I still, if I'm going to, Sid and Luxo are kind of like neck and neck for different reasons. Sid is just a visceral baddie. And then Luxo is just like conniving oh, yeah. and manipulative. And he has so many chances to he's be a good dictator. and he does it. Yeah, he's a dictator. And then he, they help him. Then he comes back like, yeah, I, th- I think I might go Luxo. Like Sid just like scared me as a kid. And then other than his, I want to ride a pony when he's sleeping and talking, because that was funny. Um, <laughs> iconic. He was iconic. He was iconic. So I think that's what's kind of oh, holding yeah. it slightly back for me from being my favorite because of that element of it. And I think I just had a more it's visceral the only, It's the then. only one with two, right? Two it's the only guys. one with two two villains. Mm-hmm. So, and the fourth one no, is the only one with no villain. That is an interesting one. Technically no I would villain. say Gabby Gabby's the villain. I know. I'm just... Let's way in with it. Any other this is words, true. anything coming to your mind? I mean, we do have to call out that the credit credit reel for this is great. You should always stay for the credit reel of this, um, this film because all of the different fake gag reels that they have in here. I do. My favorite, though, I think my favorite is the aliens as they're waiting for the focus puller to do its thing. Like, I love that when they get like technical on it, like they're actually on a set and you yes. see a boom in one. And people pranking each other, which totally happens. But the aliens just waiting on focus and they're like bit actors talking about their next yes. gig. 100% based on true events. 100%. It's like, well, I'm up for this villain at a toothpaste commercial. Hey, congratulate. <laughs> like that kind of stuff is what happens on sets all the time. And so I I love their little nod to that as well as bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. Like, love those. I have to agree with you 100%. Um, love this movie top to bottom. Um, like I said, probably my favorite Toy Story. Uh, I have to put the probably just just because all of them are, are so strong and so good in their, in their own ways. Um, so I guess it would be no surprise to you that. Uh, I am giving this five gummy worms. I'm also going to give it five gummy worms. It's <laughs> trying to make it suspenseful. I was trying to get myself out of it just to be contrarian. But man, the de- the the storytelling is incredible. And you even you even won me. There was just some themes that I had missed ju- in just from watching it over and over and over again. And the whole part of like the 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 boy, like he's just going to leave you in the end. Like you're right. That's a, that's a strong, a strong motivation for such this, a strong so. pull. And, and I love what you pulled out there. This movie does give it sets up so much for three and four or three and mm-hmm. four pull from this movie. However, you want to look at this. Um, and that shows you how strong the movie is that they could extrapolate out those themes so well to make two whole new movies. There we go. And with that. Your life has forever been changed by another episode of Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review or can share it with your best friend. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com. You can see our full movie list as we go through all of the Disney movies from 1988 to 2005 other words known as our childhood, including uh, next week's episode where we will look at the Disney decade as a whole, right? 1990 was the Disney decade, the 90s. And so we are going to pick our Mount Rushmore, our top four animated films, our top four uh, live action films, each of us, and review those for next week's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember... 
Somewhere in that pad of stuffing is a toy who taught me that life's only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. Bye bye <laughs>